Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 2, Episode 27. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. We have a special episode of today's Millennial... But today's episode is special, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Uh, We will be playing Michelle Obama's DNC speech on loop five times. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. See you next week. (laughs) Oh, man. That shit was legendary. 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 And we're going to be talking about the DNC later in today's show. But first, it's a big weekend for Harry Potter fans. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the eighth story. Who would have thought we would get here nine years later? Uh, I mean, comes out this I weekend. certainly didn't think that we would get here. <laughs> like Maybe there, but not here. <laughs> Maybe over there somewhere. Yeah. Don't <laughs> we spoil anything, get by somewhere. The way. We just didn't really think it'd be in this location. But we are going here. And uh, is anybody going to go to a Minnow release party or anything? No. Uh, I hadn't planned on it, no. <sighs> in all is seriousness. Anyone, is anyone planning on getting the book? Yes. And I'm going to Minnow release party in Orlando. I'm flying across the country for this. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, okay. For a Harry Potter midnight release party, but you're like, I don't know if flying across the country for the election is worth it. <laughs> um, well, if you guys want to pay for me to go to the election, then I'll book it right now. I'll do it. If you pay for us to come see you in Orlando. Uh, I didn't oh, pay for myself to go to like Orlando. A fair trade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's more work for us. Talk to GeekyCon's talent reps, please. Anyway. I'm I'm very excited for I'm actually genuinely excited to read the book because I'm so eager to see how it looks on the page, this script format. Um and holding it you know how you always look you sometimes you look at something like online for a while and then it finally comes out and you hold it in your own hand and you're like, Holy shit. Yeah, but like all that shit I can do at Barnes and Noble. I don't have to buy the book. Anyway, uh. I I am I am excited. I know some of our listeners are as well. I'm kind of disappointed in all of you. Harry Potter was a big part of your lives. Exactly, is. which well, is why, why I want to, to which is preserve. why I want to preserve it. All right. I know what it will look like on the page already, Andrew. It's going to look like a smearing of my shit when I use it for toilet paper. You know, I am feeling a little vindicated. Reviews of the play have come out, and they're very good. The pl- the reviews of the play are very good, but as Variety, for example, notes, it kind of dabbles in fan fiction, which is something uh, we've all been dabbles? speaking Dabbles? Kind of? <laughs> it, yeah. it, I would say dabble is a fair assessment. It doesn't... Um, can we talk about Delphi? No, no, that's, we're not doing not any spoiler. spoiler. All no, right. that, just saying the name is not a spoiler, but all right. that, that particular part to me... Is a little bit more than dabbling. That's more like Ooh. diving into the fan fiction pool. Yeah, that reminds that is like, me. That is, is cannonballing. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm making a list of things that are now officially canon, thanks um, to the first child. I'm gonna have to add a certain element of Delphi, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. All right, well, I'll talk about it on the show next week. Screw the rest of you. Four and a half million copies, by the way, are being printed for the U.S. and Canada. It is Barnes & Noble's uh, most pre-ordered book since Deathly Hallows. So, 
A lot of people anticipating it. Let's let's talk about before we get to the DNC. Let's get to the RNC. So last Thursday, Laura, Elisa, and I got on Skype or got on a live stream, and uh, we were broadcasting our thoughts on Trump's speech. And before that, we spoke about Melania, and we spoke about Cruz, and we talked talked about all the other crazy stuff that was happening at the RNC. We did it for patrons. And it ended up being a big success. We had over 100 people listening, which I think surprised all of us in a good way, because um, we didn't think so many people would tune in live, especially when it was behind the Patreon paywall. So thank yeah. you to everybody who tuned in. It was huge. And we got drunk. Huge. Elisa, uh, well, I'll say Elisa and Laura got drunk. Um, I wow. Didn't. Yes, Elisa you was so more did. drunk. She was the drunkest. And the funny part was, before we started the stream, Elise was like, no, I don't think I can drink. We only have one bottle of wine left. Anyway, with a little nagging, she goes, grabs the bottle of wine, completes the bottle of wine in like 20 <laughs> minutes, and she was seriously <laughs> buzzed. I, I birthed myself from... <laughs> <laughs> from from Laura's vagina at some, right. at some point. That's all I really remember about the situation. She did it multiple times on camera. So yeah, any anytime somebody does that, they tend to black out just because it's such a life changing experience. Um, it, is, it is a roller coaster. Yeah. What to say? <laughs> <laughs> so oh my god. Patrons can continue to watch it over and over again. Elisa being birthed from Laura's nether regions. So feel free to visit patreon.com slash millennial sign up and you will have access to that at no matter what level you pledge. And we have an announcement. What are we doing this week for the DNC? We're going to be doing, we're going to be covering. We're going to be drinking. So we're going to be drinking and covering Supreme Leader Obama's speech on Wednesday. I'm very excited for this. I think I'm more excited for Obama speaking than I am for Hillary. I think I speak on behalf of the world when I say that. Uh, and we're going to be doing the same thing. I got another bottle of wine. So <laughs> This time you have two. This time I'll, a, all right, maybe I'll get two. But I've just say, be prepared because I could be coming out of your butt. <laughs> uh, Matt will be with us this time as well. Yeah, and I'm excited for this one. And we picked Obama for the exact reason we picked to do the live stream during Obama for the reason why Elisa just said we're just more excited for Obama's speech than Hillary's. So, yeah, and, because Obama's like he's on the way out, so he's going to say whatever whatever he feels. Yeah, you know he's going to bring it home. Like, I mean, I love Hillary, but she is not the most gifted public speaker. So Obama is just going to be fucking fantastic yeah, i can't man. wait and she's gotta talk like a crow the entire way through yeah but obama and especially obama. after michelle's speech it, it, yeah oh my god i'm gonna have to get some earplugs because that mic drop is gonna be amazing <laughs> okay so let's move on to the dnc time of week again to cover dumpster fire 2016 this week's edition is called democalypse we're covering the dnc um this past friday night hillary clinton chose tim kane uh the whitest guy ever as her running mate he's not hispanic but he speaks spanish so that's close enough right guys uh see <laughs> it's pretty good spanish 
Um, no, it's okay. It's passable. It, it, yeah, it's it's not bad at all. Um, however, I will say that I find it a little questionable that they keep saying he's fluent. I'm not sure that I would call his Spanish fluent. I'm not a native speaker, so native speakers may disagree with me on that. You guys should let us know. Um, I felt like he kind of sounds a bit like Peggy Hill speaking Spanish. All right. I mean, I think it's definitely, I think definitely he has like white man accent, but in terms of his, you know, vocabulary and grammar, he wrote and delivered the one and only, um, all, all Spanish language speech on the floor of the Senate. And I mean, he's, if you look at, they released a bunch of pictures of him in his office. His entire bookshelf is just full of novels and what have you in Spanish. I think it's yeah. fair to say he's fluent. It's just that his accent sounds like, I mean, you can tell he's from the fucking Midwest. Yeah. I All mean, right, guys. It's I feel even, like we're splitting hairs. Like, give it, just give it to him. It's not even just that. There are certain parts of his speech that are a little bit hard difficult to discern exactly what he's saying and it's like you kind of have to pick up based on context clues around some of the words he's saying because he doesn't actually pronounce correctly shall we so play this clip yeah yeah go yeah tenido y continuaremos a tener horas para debatir este asunto creo que es apropiado que tome unos pocos minutos para explicar la legislación en español Una lenguaje que ha sido hablado en este país desde que misioneros españoles fundaron a San Agustín, Florida, en 1565. Okay. I'm pretty sure he was just talking about how much he loves President Obama's body. That is what he said. Yeah. That that is 100% accurate. I mean, that's what I was getting from mm-hmm. it, is that yeah. he likes his ass. He has he a likes, nice tight butt. He likes it yeah. mucho. No, what he was saying is because they were covering immigration that he felt like it was only appropriate to discuss it and to give his speech in Spanish. Um, and what he was, the point he was making towards the end of that clip was that Spanish has been such a widely spoken language since, um, the Spanish conquistadors came to this country. So, I mean, to, to try and pan the guy and say that he doesn't speak Spanish is completely false. I've seen some people say that. Um, however, I think it's debatable to call him fluent necessarily. I don't know. I would like to hear what some of our native Spanish speaker listeners think. Anyway, what do we know about this guy besides that? Uh, so Tim Kaine, he's, he was the mayor of Richmond, Virginia, and then he became the um, governor of Virginia. And then he became a senator for Virginia. So He's been all over the spectrum of, of governments, which is one of the reasons that Hillary picked him. Um, he has a stellar, stellar governing record in terms of balancing budgets and of actually passing legislation in a state where, you know, it's, it's pretty red. Virginia can be pretty red sometimes. And so as a Democrat, he really brought people together. Some of the more prominent things he's done is, you know, the NRA is based in Virginia. And after Virginia Tech happened, he took on the NRA directly and passed new gun laws in Virginia, despite the NRA mounting one of their largest ever campaigns against Tim Kaine. He took them on and he won. That's a huge accomplishment. And that's one of the things that got him into the Senate. So that's sort of his professional background. The reason he can speak Spanish, by the way, is because he is very Catholic, super religious guy. 
Um, thankfully, he separates that entirely from his public life, so he doesn't allow it to inform his policy decisions. But um, as a result of, of his religion, he was a missionary, a Catholic missionary, I think to Honduras. Is that right, Laura? That is correct. Yeah, he was there for a year. Yes, he was there for a year. And of course, as a missionary, um, you know, you're doing all this volunteer work, but one of the, uh, or a few of the people, a few of the, his students volunteered to teach him Spanish in return for his service. And so that's where he picked it up. So that's kind of the Tim Kaine's story. And, and I will say one of the greatest things about him, like him or, or, or hate him, and we'll talk about his pros and cons in a second, but one thing that everybody will tell you in DC is that he's very well liked on Capitol Hill. He's just a good guy. You know how you can meet people uh, on, on either side of the aisle. And even if you disagree with them, you just like them as a person. That's how everyone feels about Tim Kaine. He has fantastic relationships on both sides of the aisle. Many Republicans really like him. Um, and I think that, at least politically, it was a smart choice because Hillary is going to need that going into the White House. She is not well-liked. She mm. is very much disliked. By Everywhere. the public, right? Everywhere she's disliked. And so to have somebody this affable and this personable on her ticket to be a surrogate for her in the White House and on Capitol Hill is really going to help her pass actual legislation. Yeah, I think this reminds me a lot of Obama and Biden. Um, Joe Biden has kind of historically been um, really good about schmoozing in Washington. Mm. And he's got a lot of connections on both sides of the aisle. And I think this was a really strategic pick for her because she is picking a vice president who can kind of go out and do that sort of bidding for her so that she doesn't have to pretend to try and do it because she doesn't want to fucking do that. You can tell she's not into the, the show of it all. Like she's not into the political theater. She's a policy wonk. She wants to actually be doing the job. So getting somebody who can do that for her and who is well liked, I think was a great call. I agree. I think, I think this was smart for lots of reasons, not only for those that, that you just named and for the fact that he can actually bridge partisan divides on the Hill, but also strategically, if you think about it, so Kane's from Virginia, he's a Democrat from Virginia the idea is that he's going to become vice president, and then that leaves his seat open to be filled by another Democrat, probably um, a Hispanic Democrat. They're looking at a lot of local candidates, and they're and the DNC is targeting someone um, with Hispanic roots because they want mm -hmm. more diversity. So it's going to open up the way for a more diverse Democratic Party. And also, Virginia, of course, is a swing state. And... There's this whole thing called the um, down ballot effect, where if somebody from your state, for instance, uh, it becomes huge on the national stage, president, vice president, whatever, suddenly you're more engaged in the process because it's your guy. It's they're representing your state. You're pretty stoked about it. So you become more engaged in the process and more likely to vote not only for that person, but for people of that person's party. And so by choosing somebody from a swing state like Virginia, it really ensures that Virginia is going to turn blue. I mean, we can't guarantee that, but it, it, it definitely will have an impact. And right now, I think it's like it's like five of the eight or nine representatives from Virginia are Republicans. So if they can flip those five seats to turn blue as a result of the down ballot effect, then uh, that's a, another big win for Democrats in the House. Yeah. Definitely smart to be thinking about it from that perspective, too, because, of course, 
the president can only do so much if Congress is controlled by the opposing party. Right. So definitely thinking about the down ballot, down ballot Democrats is smart. I will say that I, I found myself feeling a little bit underwhelmed by the selection. Um, it maybe isn't my first choice. However, I totally recognize that he's super qualified for the position. And I, I can totally see why the pick was made. Yeah, but so what are some of the cons, though? I mean, that's a good point. I mean, we've been sort of, you know, uh, circle jerking over Tim Kaine here. But, like, there's definitely some some qualms to be had. The one yeah. that I hear, the one that I hear most often is the one that you just said, Laura, about him sort of is, he's sort of like the Wonder Bread candidate. He's like a warm bowl of grains, you know, like there's nothing about him <laughs> is like, he's a wet towel. Nothing about him is super exciting. I mean, he's great at governing and what have you, but like, yeah, you know, you know, he's like a, he's like a cardboard box. So that's one thing. Um, so he doesn't really, there's no pizzazz. The other thing though I hear a lot, is concern over his his pro life um, his pro life sentiments. Like like we mm. mentioned, he is very religious, and he has said many many times that he personally is pro life. That he personally is against is against abortion. That said, he's also said many many times that he uh, recognizes uh, the law. That his job is to uphold the law. And that he believes women should be treated as, as equal citizens under the law. And therefore, he supports pro-choice um, policies. Yeah. What do you guys think of that? Are you worried? I'm not really worried. Here's Here was kind of the, the, the thing that gave me some pause <laughs> initially, is that um, Tim Kaine has, in the past, supported things like parental consent um, for abortions, um, and also bans on partial birth abortions, um, which are two things that I really vehemently disagree with. Um, however, he has evolved on those points. And I feel like as somebody who is a Hillary supporter, Hillary Clinton has also evolved on a number of points. And if I'm going to give that to her, I think it's also incumbent on me to give that to him too. So True. if she's, if she's allowed to evolve, he's also allowed to evolve. And, and what is he going to do with that position in, in the white house? I don't think anything. No, is Hillary, so, no. Hillary going to let him use it. No. Of course, right. Exactly. Is the first woman president going to allow her VP to run roughshod over abortion rights? Not, not mm. a shot in hell. No. Yeah. And also I would point out that even some of his, even some of his more pro-life leanings in every instance, in every single instance, he's always made exceptions for, you know, the life of the mother, health mm -hmm. issues, uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know anything about Tim Kaine and I, I hadn't seen any videos and because I was busy with Comic-Con and stuff, I didn't really follow what was going on with the nomination. But then I watched Hillary and Tim's 60 Minutes interview. Now, you may remember that. Trump and Pence did a 60 Minutes interview after they announced last week, and their interview was an honest-to-God train wreck. It was just all over the place awful. By comparison, no surprise, the Clinton-Kane interview was a lot better, and he's just like a teddy bear to me. I think he's so adorable. Like, I know! I don't even find him that boring. Like Some people are saying he's kind of a lame pick, but he was very well-spoken. 
he has some nice thoughts. And there's this one part of the 60 Minutes interview I want to play. It's when Teddy Bear decides to stand up for Mama Bear. His demeaning comments about women. I'm going to. So she's obviously talking about Trump, and the interviewer asked, What do you think of Trump insulting you? I'm going to respond to what he has said that I think is so fundamentally at odds with who we are as a nation, where we need to be heading in the future, and the kind of dangerous, risky uh, leadership that he's promising. Yeah, you know what? You know I what he. This? I don't want to. She's done a good job of letting the you know water go off her back on this. That that's not the way I feel. Um, when I see this, you know, crooked Hillary, or I see the locker up, it's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. The, the Republican FBI director makes a decision that there's nothing here that is, you know, warrants any additional activity. The but criminal oh, prosecution. Yeah, criminal, but but so the, what? They're going to say, okay, well, we don't believe him now. We saw. So, and just watching them sitting next to each other, I, they just look like a good couple. I, I kind of ship them. Like, I want I Hillary to yeah. marry her, him. Are you, are you endorsing the idea of a Hillary affair in the Oval Office? Oh, yeah, that would be fantastic. Man, Trump would lose his mind. He would be so jealous. He wanted that affair in the Oval. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I really liked how Tim decided to jump in when the interviewer was about to move on, so... Um, yeah, big fan already. He, I'm so glad you said something about him being cute because when I watched him give his introductory speech in Miami, where he was introduced as mm-hmm. the VP pick, I could not help but like want to squeeze his little cheeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just the most adorable thing. Like I kept flicking my pokeballs at him. Like, can I catch you? <laughs> <laughs> what level are you at? Would you do him? He's 58. She oh, was yes. flicking something. <laughs> 200 for would i do some game yes yes all right yes sign me up (laughs) okay he's your type i know (laughs) trust me i'm coming for you so uh, too easy shall we move on from kane yeah um so there has been some pretty uh exciting news depending on which side of politics you fall on in the last week um 20,000 dnc emails were leaked by wikileaks um and it looks like it might have come with the help of russia we're not a hundred percent sure about that at this point yes we are um, oh we are oh it's fucking yeah elisa is sure <laughs> keep going laura i'm sorry i didn't want to interrupt okay um, but anyway, as a result of this, DNC chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz has announced that um, she's not speaking during the convention. She's also going to be stepping down from her position as the DNC chair um, because the emails revealed some very clear bias in favor of Hillary Clinton against Bernie Sanders. Um, the emails themselves, I don't know if we have any copies of what they said. I read them. They were fairly reprehensible. Um, however... As a result of this, people are kind of wanting Wasserman Schultz's head on a pike. And to top it all off, Hillary Clinton has given her a job. Mm. Which we were all, like, head-desking about the other day. We're like, what the fuck? Why? (laughs) What is the job? It's an honorary chair of Clinton's 50 States Initiative, I think. 
Yeah, it's bull. It's a bullshit position. Yeah. It's not even a real position. It's not even a real position. They just sort of invented it and gave it to her as a way to mitigate some of the embarrassment on her end. Because let's at least be clear about one thing, is that Debbie Wasserman Schultz was taking one for the team here. The people who were sending these emails, uh, and and we should talk about what they actually say in a second, but the people who were, saying, who were sending these emails weren't her. The only emails they found that she sent... I think she calls Bernie's campaign manager a liar at some point. And that's only in defense of herself because Bernie's campaign manager had come out and accused Debbie Wasserman Schultz of rigging Nevada. So she was like, no, what a liar, what a liar. That's, that's, in my opinion, not that bad. She's just defending herself. Most of the emails came from staff. So she took one for the team and, uh, she's running for reelection. She has, her own seat to think about. And so in my opinion, the reason the Hillary campaign hired her is because they want, they needed to barter. They needed to say, Debbie, we need you to step down. We know it's fucking embarrassing. We know it's going to hurt your election chances, but we need you to fucking do it for the sake of me, frankly, for the sake of Hillary, for the sake of the democratic party. But in exchange, you know, we'll give you this. And probably Debbie said, I'm not doing it unless you give me something because I mean, why would she like she needed something to take back to her home district and say, Oh, I'm not a total failure. Look, what a yeah. Debbie Downer. I mean, I think chances are she could very well lose her seat over this. And I agree that it's totally embarrassing for her and it's just terrible timing. However, um, the office of the president in this particular election is far more important than her seat. You know what I mean? Like, I I totally get that they're trying to spare her this embarrassment, potentially. However, what they did was just lob an optics grenade into the middle of the DNC, into the middle of the election. My fear is that Donald Trump is going to call Hillary out on primetime during a debate, back her into a corner and force her to defend the decision of giving Wasserman Schultz a job when this person has already been such a controversial figure, both between the Democratic and the Republican parties, and that we're going to have this wonderful sound bit of Hillary getting flustered trying to defend that position that gets played over and over and over again. I just, I feel like you have one job, like just, you see Donald Trump committing political suicide, let him do it. Don't do anything stupid. Just stay the course. Yeah, I agree. It was really fucking dumb to hire yeah. her. I, like without, without question. But I, I don't think, I mean, I haven't been hearing a lot of people report on it, frankly. I mean, at least not, not yet. It's not even, it's not even that huge of a deal. Um, Trump could easily bring it up in, in a debate. But to be honest with you, Hillary, she's not a great public speaker, but she is a pretty solid debater. She will take you out. So I'm not terribly worried. Let's talk about what these emails actually said and not just in the abstract. I think there are 20,000 of them and the ones that are being pointed out is really problematic. I think it's maybe, you know, a couple of dozen. And the one in particular that's really making the rounds is from the DNC financial chair. And he says something, I don't have like the exact wording in front of me, but he's basically is advising the DNC. He's saying, why don't we talk about Bernie Sanders' religion because he's an atheist and people in the South, my peeps aren't going to like that. So basically suggesting that they use his religion against him. 
Uh, to me, that is far and away the worst one. That's, that's mm-hmm. heinous. That's a mm-hmm. heinous tactic to suggest and something that I would expect from the likes of Donald Trump, not from somebody on the, de- on the Democratic side. So that guy needs to be fired, like point blank. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of other people too who are sort of mid-level staffers who are saying things like, um, just sort of openly saying that they're, they wish that Bernie would, uh, see the nomination already. Uh, and so it was clear that they were supporting Hillary Clinton. They were just like, I wish that he would see the nomination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, bear in mind, however, that all of these emails are from late May and June. Um, and so there, it was clear already at this point that he was not the nominee. Like, like the primaries were over. That's how clear it was. So you do have to ask yourself a little bit, how much does this really, how much does this really show? And did it really make a huge difference? Do we see that it made an actionable difference on the way the primaries were carried out? And I think this is probably where myself and a lot of Bernie supporters are going to part ways because I think it's entirely reasonable to expect that individual people, no matter who they are, are going to have personal inclinations. Even the Supreme Court justices, who are meant to be the bastions of objectivity, um, we we accept that they have personal opinions. We just expect that they don't allow those opinions to manifest in any actionable way. Mm-hmm. So are we really upset that these individuals have personal opinions? So long as they didn't manifest in any actionable way, what difference does it matter? What difference does it make? And having emails to me does not prove that they, that they were made manifest. I think the only thing you could, you could appropriately accuse the DNC of in any, in any real tangible sense is perhaps not allowing the number of debates that the Sanders campaign wanted and therefore mm-hmm. not giving Sanders the amount of exposure that they wanted. That might be a very valid criticism. But other than that, I'm really fucking tired of this rigged election horseshit. Yeah, I I feel like I've been trying really hard to be as diplomatic about it as possible these past few months. But um, as we all know, this led to a lot of ruckus happening on the floor at the DNC on Monday. Um, lots of Bernie or Buster's booing and interrupting speakers and just causing a little bit of a PR nightmare for the DNC. Um, I know that everybody probably has some thoughts on this, um, but I just want to say this. And I'm, I'm going to try and be as diplomatic as possible. This is not to all Bernie Sanders supporters. This is only to Bernie or bus people. You're ruining this for everyone. Okay? Preach. Of the two major candidates running for president, one of them is willing to work with Bernie Sanders and aligns closely with many of his ideals. And that person is sure as shit not Donald Trump. Yes. So <laughs> because, because of this, the path forward seems very clear to me. I feel that Bernie supporters who are truly invested in the ideals he espouses, those who identify as progressives, will support the candidate who best aligns with Bernie's progressive platform. And it seems that the Bernie or bus crowd are far less invested in representation of Bernie's ideas and far more interested in throwing a tantrum because they didn't get what they wanted. Yes. 
disparaging Hillary Clinton's clear and decisive win out of scorn for Bernie Sanders' loss, to me, is the height of entitlement. And it's representative of a mindset that has capitulated to over two decades of right-wing smear tactics against Hillary Clinton. So equating Hillary Clinton with Donald Trump, calling them two sides of the same coin, viewing them as two evils cut from the same cloth, is not only factually wrong, it's lazy. So every time the Bernie or Busters create an optics nightmare for the Democrats to clean up, they push their own candidate that much farther away from the ability to make a difference. And every time they give Donald Trump another leg to stand on, those are more progressive seats we could be losing in Congress come November. So my advice to the Bernie or Bust crowd would be to find something of lesser consequence to have a tantrum about because the adults in the room have some fucking shit to do. Stop it. <laughs> yes. Well, we all agree with you. That was that was beautifully well put, Laura. Yeah, it was. I I just I'm couldn't hard. I just couldn't help but feel very disappointed while watching it. Um yeah. I thought we would be better than the <laughs> better than the mayhem going on at the RNC. I thought we were better than this. Yeah, that's basically what it boils down to. Um and I hope it gets better as the week progresses because we need to be united right now and I was watching <clears throat> interviews on msnbc with some of the bernie or bus people at the end of the night and they were just truly nonsensical they were they were inconsolable uh mm -hmm. it was embarrassing i mean they were saying some ridiculous things like um trying to remember what they said uh but they they didn't know at that point if they were going to vote for trump or hillary or just not vote at all they thought the election was genuinely stolen from them and you can have your thoughts on that. I, but to yell and boo during the DNC is a distraction. And it, 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 we don't need this right now when we're trying to beat Trump. Yeah. I know that we kind of wanted to, in regards to all of that, we wanted to take a step back and just kind of, um, give sort of a brief overview of just how the Democratic Party functions as an organization. Um, I, I know Elisa said that she was talking to a few people who just genuinely didn't understand the way that it worked. And that seemed to be leading to some of their frustration. So Elisa, did you want to? Yeah, sure. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I agree with everything that you just said about, about, uh, the Bernie or bust movement. I will say this. I am super pissed about the emails too, guys. The last yeah. fucking thing the Clinton campaign needs is another scandal about some goddamn emails. So this entire thing, when it came out, I'm really upset about it. I think the DNC was fucking stupid. I think it was a good thing and it needed to happen. The Debbie Wasserman Schultz stepping down was absolutely the right thing to do. Um, but let's be clear. The DNC has apologized profusely as well. They should. And, uh, they've really capitulated. They've, they've, they've allowed Bernie to influence their platform in a way that no other, I want, I really need people to hear this. No other candidate has been allowed to influence a platform before. Nobody, no one, name me one person. If you disagree in any past presidential election that has been invited into the room and has been allowed to influence it so dramatically. 
he has single-handedly flipped the party platform on a number of issues, including Wall Street bailouts, including Glass-Steagall, including the TPP trade deal. He has, he has completely altered the Democratic Party platform. That is, that is a victory. Mm-hmm. That and is he's a not even, victory. He's not even a Democrat. And he's not even right. That is a victory. And, and that was something that the Clinton campaign and the DNC uh, facilitated and allowed to happen because they recognize the the Bernie supporters and they recognize how important his campaign has been. And so don't think that you're walking away with nothing here. You're walking with huge victories. And there's only one person. There's only one person running for president currently who's prepared to execute those policy changes. Only one. So just get your shit together. But to, to Laura's point um, about how the party system works, it is important to recognize that Bernie Sanders, well, I, I love him as a person. I agree with him on many issues. and I'm glad he's an, he's an independent. I think we need more independence, more people willing to operate outside the party system like himself. So I think he's been nothing but a boon to the political process and to our country. Um, I, I love him. But let's recognize the reality. He's not a Democrat. He never was a Democrat. And a lot of people I've realized think that this is just a label. This is just something that is a, is a meaningless term. And it's not. The, the party system is, the, the parties themselves are well-organized, well-oiled organizations. They get together every year and they write their platform. They, they spend cut weeks you know, horse trading and bartering and compromising to iron out the platform. They, they write strategy for months about how they're going to execute it. And they caucus together and they lobby together and they are a unit. And you don't have to like that, but that is the reality. And it's also the reality that Bernie, not only was he never part of that unit, he actively fought against it. He fought against Democrats most of his life. He fought against Republicans more. He hates Republicans 10 times more, but he, he has really stood up to Democrats a number of times and burned a lot of bridges in the process. And you can say that was a good thing. And you can say that we needed him to do that. And you can say he was right to do that. But you at least have to recognize that if you're going to go against the grain, then go against the grain and accept that there are, accept that you have to make sacrifices to do that. You can't go against the grain and be an independent. And they expect to be welcomed into a party with open and loving arms instantly at the drop of a hat. And so the fact that many rank and file Democrats did not instantly get in line with Bernie is because he was never a rank and file Democrat. The very same reason that Bernie supporters love him, the fact that he's anti-establishment and was never part of the party system is, is, is great, but it's the exact thing that's bit him in the ass in, in other ways. And that's just the way that that's just the way it works. And I think we I think we need to accept that and not try and hold Democrats, you know, responsible, you know, for that. It was his choice not to be a Democrat, good or bad, right or wrong. It was his choice. And I don't know. That's it. That was very yeah. well said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Love you, political bitches. I feel like we're getting so much off our chest today that I think we've been wanting to say. Like the last five it's months. It's a kumbaya. <laughs> this is cathartic for me. I can't yeah. tell you. I'm oh so my god! Upset we've, been, about this. we've been in the Facebook chat like 
it was what we said there was probably way worse than what we said here. Oh, sorry. The last thing I wanted to bring up really quickly, because I think it is crucial, is the Russia thing. It disturbs me that so many people are more concerned about the DNC trying to influence a primary in favor of their own candidate than they are about Russia trying to influence our democracy on a grand scale. And and to, to what I was mentioning earlier, it is well accepted within the cybersecurity community that Russia did indeed. They were the ones who hacked both the DNC and the RNC, by the way, and took and took the cash from both of their servers. So Russia, and it's well-established fact, and I'd be happy to go into it more, but we're running out of time. I'll, I'll put up links. But the fact that they only released the DNC emails and not the RNC emails um, is because Russia got it. Russia gave the emails to WikiLeaks so that WikiLeaks would leak it on their behalf, because, of course, the government's not going to own up to it. Um and they're trying to they're trying to rig the actually rig the election like for real for real rig the election in Trump's favor. What if you think that? for a second that the RNC emails would not divulge um, people working against Trump and their own nominee, you're crazy. Of course they do, but they're not going to release those emails because Trump because Russia loves Trump. Russia wants Trump in office. So this is this to me is is a crime. It is a crime that's not being reported on more. I want to play one other clip from the DNC. This was on Monday night, getting back to uh, the, the Bernie supporters booing and, and just causing a ruckus. So Sarah Silverman and Al Franken had to kind of um, fill some time because a performer wasn't ready yet. And so this moment happened while the booing was going on. people you're being ridiculous <laughs> it was great because it was off the cup nobody saw it coming and good for her for saying that yeah they were pissed at her laura you've yeah, been watching well, she was pissed at them too like they're they're yeah. dickheads laura you've been watching today has the moon mood on tuesday seem better seems to have toned down Okay. Um, I do understand that Bernie Sanders has actually been going around to some of these Bernie or bus crowds and very, oh, really, yeah, very politely telling them to sit the fuck down. So <laughs> I think have a I seat think, right over I, here. Yeah, I think that has helped. Um, Bernie Sanders also came out um, with the Vermont delegation just a little while ago, and that is um, true. Yeah, and and move to select Hillary as the nominee. So shall we play we a clip? Yes, we shall. Thank you, Madam Chair. I move that the convention suspend the procedural rules. I move that all votes. All votes cast by delegates be reflected in the official record, and I move that Hillary Clinton be selected as the nominee of the Democratic Party for President of the United States. So this was kind of a move to to get everybody together uh, to mm -hmm. show that Bernie is for this. Mm -hmm. A lot of big cheers, as you can hear. Yes. 
big moment um, at the at DNC there. I think this was... I When they first... There were stories this morning saying this may happen, that they were trying to make it happen. Um, I think there was a little concern that it may have been trying too hard to convince the Bernie people, but it was really... I don't know. It seemed very heartfelt. Mm-hmm. What I really loved about Bernie Sanders was uh, the other day for the first day of the convention, um, you know, Bernie was said to be one of the speakers. And usually what happens uh, when someone's a speaker, they're always, you know, backstage, you know, getting ready, uh, going over their lines in their speech. But Bernie wasn't. Bernie was sitting on the floor the entire time with his grandchildren. I am and- a man of the paper. Yeah, he was, and I thought it was just really nice to see. And you know, it's, it's, I I hope we get to see more of him. Oh, we will. He he has vowed to fight tooth and nail to make sure that Trump does not win. And I think that'll be great to have him out there. Obviously, we need his voter base to rally around Hillary now, because hashtag never Trump. Let so- me just say this. Let me just say this. <laughs> So one more reminder here as we wrap up our today's Dumpster Fire installment. We will be live on Patreon Wednesday night, July 27th, starting about 9 p.m. Eastern. There will be alcohol. There will be Elisa sliding out of Laura and um, her ham sandwich sliding out of there. (laughs) Get ready. And it's going to be a lot of fun. As we kinda, watch Obama. What kind of ham sandwich do you think it'll be? Well, it's uh, not going to be kosher. It's going to be a little juicy. It's going to be <laughs> have some mayo on it. It's going to be very delicious. So you're saying it's a used ham sandwich? Mm-hmm. It's warm, yeasty bread. <laughs> oh, God. You don't know me. Nice subway foot long. <laughs> I know you too well. I think that's the bad part. So Comic-Con was this past weekend. San Diego oh, Comic Con. Yeah, right. This is the big convention every year. I I only went down Saturday night. I needed a little bit of a break. I couldn't uh I couldn't couldn't be there the whole time this year. My anxiety can't handle it. Um but I did get another long object, but I didn't have to slide it down my pants this time because it was actually handed to me. Oh god. It was a uh, it was a wand from the at the Fantastic Beast panel. Eddie Redmayne was there and he gave wands to everybody in the audience. What? It was so awesome. It's, you get a wand, and you get you a wand. Get a wand. Yeah. You all get a wand. He had an Oprah moment, and uh, it's Newt's wand, and interestingly, it's missing its core. What uh, does it mean? It's hollow at the bottom. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what, well, what like, the hell are you talking about? It, it's a little hollow at the at the end where the core should be. Um. I don't think it's the Noble Collection just being cheap because it's still it's a very it's a hefty wand. It's got some lifts to it, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to mean something with him having to with him being expelled from Hogwarts. I'm guessing. Oh, they extract so. the core. I I'm thought they fi- just broke their wands. I thought yeah. they snapped their wands. They just snapped them. Well, I'm sure J.K. Rowling will explain that back in the 20s they extracted the core. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Wow. Um. <laughs> Funny enough, my brother was at Comic-Con, and one day he texted me saying that Andrew just walked by me at Comic-Con, LOL. Oh, really? Yeah. I told- <laughs> well, thanks for telling me now. Yeah, I told him you should say hi. No, he, this this was like at the end of the day. Oh, and okay. I, he should have said hi. And my brother was like, I didn't think he would recognize me. Ha ha. I'd and recognize him. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like me, but 
less sexy. But better looking. Oh, uh, okay. You went the opposite way with that. I'm um, not going to weigh in on this. I'm just looking on eBay. These wands are going for like 80 bucks. I may sell mine. I'm just kidding. I won't actually sell it. No, you're not. You're going to fucking no, masturbate no. with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> masturbate. Yeah, your butt. yeah, exactly. Yeah, what do you think he's going to use that hollow he's gonna, wand for? Yeah, he's, he's going to fill that fill core that. up. <laughs> he's going to fill that core up real good. <laughs> Show title. Fill that core up. <laughs> So uh that's Comic-Con. Oh, they 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 be they debuted new trailers for Wonder Woman, Justice League, Fantastic Beasts and like a billion other shows and movies. Dude. Did you watch any of these? Uh, yes. Yes. I have to say I don't give a shit about this this whole superhero trend and whatever. Not really my gig, but that Wonder Woman trailer is mm. legit. I was really impressed with the Wonder Woman trailer. It was the only one that I actually that actually made me interested in seeing it. Well, I mean, Fantastic Beasts, but I already was going to see it. Wonder Woman, like any of the DC movies, um, you're going to have to try to help get me in. But yeah, Wonder Woman was good. I was surprised. Justice League will probably be better than Dawn of Justice because they know people did not like it because it was super boring. And whereas the trailer for Justice League, it looks more fun thanks to... The Flash, played by oh, blanking on his name, Ezra, Ezra Miller. Miller. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Are you so? It's not going to be Dawn of Justice now. It's just Justice League. What? Well, no. The first movie was called Dawn of Justice: Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, and this okay. one is Justice League. I guess part one. They're probably going to rename them. I gotta say, I am. I was not impressed with Justice League trailer at all. Um, yeah, I, 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 and mainly it was because of the flash scene. Oh, well, I didn't, yeah, I, you may carry right, well, that movie. That's, that's a great story. Anyway, back to Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, I thought it just looks so, it looks so gritty and so real and not at all like a cheesy superhero flick mm-hmm. and just, I'm pretty pumped for it. It, it so. did have kind of like the same feeling that, uh, the same tone that, uh, Captain America, the first one had, cause it was it's it's during like the uh the second world war and it's just it had like quality banter to it so it wasn't like cheesy or anything yeah. or it wasn't too gritty like they do with a lot of the dc movies yeah um yeah so it was a it was a good comic con and uh san diego oh by the way I, we're going to talk about pokemon go a little more in after dark but man cool. was it a was it a pokemon go orgy down there it was, uh, there were lures at every Pokestop, and there was, like, a Pokestop on every block. It was just, it was, it was really good for my, for my trainer. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about Pokemon did, Go. Did anybody hook up using Pokemon Go? Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, in front of me or with me. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, that too. At Comic-Con? D- details, at com- at yeah. Comic-Con, I don't know for sure, but I imagine within the next year, we will hear a story about a couple getting engaged after meeting through Pokemon Go. We met surprising. at a Poco, Pokestop. Aw, that's adorable. Before we move on to Hidden from the Headlines, we want to jump back real quick to DNC because we forgot to mention Michelle Obama, Perso Heviot, Oprah Dallas. So her speech really stole the show on Monday night. I'm going to play a little clip. This was probably one of her best lines. Uh, by Melania. I'm sorry, I mean Michelle. (laughs) That is the story of this country. 
the story that has brought me to this stage tonight, the story of generations of people who felt the lash of bondage, the shame of servitude, the sting of segregation, but who kept on striving and hoping and doing what needed to be done so that today I wake up every morning in a house that was built by slaves. My daughters, two beautiful, intelligent black young women, playing with their dogs on the White House lawn. Oh, so good. So the good. The whole speech was God great. Chills. I know. She's amazing. And she spoke with emotion. She's such a great public speaker, too. Guys, guys, how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to make her the next female president? Because I think it needs to happen. I think she said before that she doesn't want to run for public office, right? Yeah, well, whatever. I mean, like, this is going to be like in 20 years. This isn't about her. This is about yeah, us. Yeah, this is about we us. Need. Oh, I see. I don't give a fuck what she thinks. I don't know what we can do. I guess we better start working on that. Mm-hmm. So, let's move on now to Hidden from the Headlines with our headline discoverer, Elisa. Yeah, so this is one of those issues that, you know, harkening back to the election, um... It is not going to be addressed in any way, shape, or form by the current Republican nominee. So the Great Barrier Reef is undergoing a complete ecosystem collapse, according to scientists who studied it earlier this month. Coral Watch Chief Investigator Justin Marshall surveyed the reefs every day for a week at the beginning of July. And he reported that many of the fish species commonly spotted around the Great Barrier Reef had completely disappeared. Quote, in broad terms, I was seeing a lot less than 50% of what was there before the bleaching. Some species I wasn't seeing at all. Now, coral bleaching occurs when ocean waters warmed by climate change cause corals to release the algae that provide their food and are also responsible for giving them their color. As the ocean warms, the corals can't cool down and find new algae fast enough, which causes them to die out and become a really milky shade of white before they begin to just decompose and, and disappear. 93% of the Great Barrier Reef has undergone coral bleaching, with more than 80% showing signs of severe bleaching. This is another quote from Coral Watch. They say, One quarter of all marine life lives in or around the reef. What happens when these reefs disappear? Current predictions are that coral reefs worldwide could be gone within the next 25 years. How much will be left after this global bleaching event? This is a worldwide event, not just Australia. So I wanted to bring this to everyone's attention. Yeah, it's pretty serious. I mean, a quarter, 25% of all marine life depends on the Great Barrier Reef. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's massive. And they're right, because even though the Great Barrier Reef might be uh, you know, off the coast of Australia, it feeds a much larger oceanic ecosystem that we all depend on. And the fact that fish are disappearing, that's going to have such a direct impact on all of us, but particularly those who depend on fishing for livelihoods and for sustenance, i.e. the most impoverished among us. So, this is, it's just, it's just royally fucked up. And I guess, I mean, what, I want to get your initial thoughts on it. 
And, well, and the other scary fact I find here is that it could all be gone in a quarter of a century. Um, I may, I may, I want to go diving now so I can see it before it's all gone. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is just another edition of The World is Doomed um, by Millennial. Um, it's just very clear that this is another obvious sign that we have uh climate change problems occurring <laughs> yeah and people really need to take this into account and consider that okay yes this may not be affecting you directly at this point in time but eventually this is going to snowball into something that will affect you or at the very least your your children or your grandchildren yeah and exactly and like andrew said 25 years is not far away no guys. no that is that is easily within our lifetimes, you know, if we all don't die of STDs before then. But that's easily within our lifetimes. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know, the global warming thing, to me, this is one of many symptoms of that. And so I see this story as being one about about global warming. Um, and so what do, you, what do you guys think? What's I wanted to get your thoughts. One suggestion. If you had to suggest or make a recommendation for what people could do to actually combat this issue, what would you recommend? Um, to, to force the people in Congress to just stop with this bickering and actually do something about it instead of lying about global warming. Instead of arguing about whether it even exists. Yeah, we can't do anything until they all agree that there has to be something done about it. Yeah. Well, um, I, I would say that, um, people need to stop dumping bleach on these coral reefs. Oh, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's... I'm pretty, I'm pretty fucking outraged to hear that's happening. Stop bleaching the coral. Yeah. Stop Why pumping do you even... bleach, period. Why do you, I mean, that's not good at all. Why do you bring your, your laundry goods down when you go diving anyway? That's so <laughs> stupid. People are so dumb. Um... I hate you all. <laughs> Uh, I was going to go the same way Laura was. I was going to say if there was some, like, anti-bleaching uh, thing. Like, when you accidentally bleach your shirt, is there, like, something asshole? to fix that? Yeah. How do yeah. I unbleach my asshole? Oh, yeah. If you, like, go swimming Clorox. with a bleached asshole, is that, like, contributing to the bleached uh, corals? <laughs> I feel... <laughs> Elisa's signing off Skype now. <laughs> Goodbye, guys. I, don't... I feel like... I mean, Andrew, is your asshole bleaching also a result of climate change? Uh, yeah, because I sure as shit don't remember doing that while awake anyway. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe if we should, maybe if we like, you know how when members of Congress give speeches on the floor of the, of, of the house and they bring like their poster boards and their pictures and whatever, maybe if we got you to give a speech on the floor of the house, but instead of pictures of like bleached coral, it would just be like your actual asshole. <laughs> you think that would inspire them to action? Inspire them to look away, I would say. That would be the action, but that's about it. Or jerk off and fill up your wand. <laughs> yeah, it could go either way. Fill mm. that core up. It's not uh, much. Now, room. how irreparable <laughs> is this, though? Like, yeah, is do there they... any going back or what? Yeah. So they said that depending on how severe the bleaching is, that the coral can be repaired. They have seen signs of coral having been bleached in the past. And now, now I can't talk about this without imagining Andrew's bleached asshole. Seriously? Well, you helped fault. pay for it, yeah. 
I don't know why. I'm sorry, Lisa. I just started laughing because you were talking about the bleaching. And for some reason, it reminded me of Chuck Grassley's tweet that we talked about a long time ago. Where he was like, the first frost killing. (laughs) (laughs) He he said, like, the first frost killing, killing frost. It didn't make any sense at all. Whatever. Y'all are silly. Guys, this is serious. It is fucking serious. To answer your question, god damn it. <laughs> yes, coral reefs can can be brought back to life. Uh but it it takes uh it it takes a long time and um it's only possible in certain circumstances, but certainly not if the ocean keeps warming, it's it's not at all possible. And side note, the ocean is warming at two times the rate as the atmosphere. So that's great news. It's the same rate as people getting their assholes bleached too. God damn it. Move on. <laughs> I hey, it's time for a segment we haven't done in a while. Surprise! Surprise! Matt, pick a number between 2 and 502. 16. 16, 16. Hmm. This is Paige, who I marked in green. What does it mean? What? A, what? A, when I, I normally mark names in red, meaning, Don't call! We already called! But this one's green. I think it means it's good to go. Yeah. And, well, we're giving Paige another shot. Hello? Paige? Paige? <gasps> Paige? Hi. Surprise, Surprise. bitch. Hi. This is Millennial. What's up? Hi. Nothing much. What's going on? Oh, you know, we're just chilling on the show. Um, We have a couple questions for you. Of course. Paige <laughs> is, like, on it. Right? Okay, this is just the second time you've called me, so I'm like... Well, okay, because I have you marked in green. What does that mean? We already played with you? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Back We're not done Oh, I can't <laughs> oh. figure out why I marked you in green. I thought, like, we tried to call last time, and... Well, okay, bye. We already played, <laughs> right? No, I'm we kidding. We played with you. All right. I was, I was wondering, Paige, you didn't sound very surprised. Yeah, that, that, uh-huh. that explains it. Yeah. <laughs> What were your thoughts on the convention so far? Have you been watching it? I was just, I was actually just in the car listening to it on NPR. Oh, okay. Um, I'm a big radio person, so mostly I get my news from either Twitter or the radio because that's all my family listens to. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so we're really touting the big whole, um, Hillary Clinton being the first woman delegate, um, uh, ever. So that was a big thing. They were doing a whole thing about that on NPR earlier. So that was what I was listening to, but I haven't really been that updated on it. Yeah. It's easy to forget the enormity of the fact that Hillary is the first female president. We hear so much shit yeah. right now that we kind of forget. It's kind of sad. I, w- I want to be hyped about it, but I, I don't feel it because of everything that's been dragging her down. I mean, I don't wish it that way, but. Oh, well. Yeah, the whole political scene right now is just, I guess you could say, overwhelming. Yeah. So it's easy, it's easy to get caught up in the negative stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, since we already spoke to you, uh, we're just going to cut this short. So thank you, Paige. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate your support. You're welcome. And you have the honor okay. of being the, the first and the, hopefully only, if I run this better, uh, person being called twice. So. Glad to have that honor. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're gonna get you a special shirt. All right, thank All right. you. Talk to yeah. you later. All right, bye. Bye. 
Uh, I will pick 227. Okay, that's Allison up in Canada. It's going to get a voicemail. Hello? Oh, my God. Allison. 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 Surprise, Hello? this is Millennial. What's up? Oh, my God. Hey. <laughs> I know, right? No. I was like, what is this unknown number? I don't know. <laughs> Also, I never thought that you guys would actually call me. It is your lucky day. Uh, so, um, what's up? Well, we're just podcasting episode 227. Uh, we're, in, where in Canada are you? I live in Calgary. Okay. Is there anything so, interesting up there besides poutine that you can share with us? Um, like a stereotype. The mountain? Like, like what's, uh, what's a stereotype well, about Calgary that's true? About Calgary? Yeah. It's, like, quite Western, because there's a huge stampede here. And actually just ended. What, what, um, is, what does a stampede mean? The Calgary stampede, like a rodeo. Oh, I was thinking, oh. like, straight-up Lion King stampede. <laughs> I was going to say, how, how, did people die? Like, that would be really awful. Did someone kill no. Mufasa? <laughs> <laughs> a Western-style Canada. That sounds amazing, actually. Yeah. But That's no, nice. Calgary is really good. Like it's near the mountains. It's a really nice city. It has um, actually the largest urban pathway system in North America. Random fact for you. Whoa, pathway? <laughs> what's that? Yeah, yeah like that? like bike paths. Oh, that's oh actually amazing. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a good place. Even I though you're up there in Canada, are you following the U.S. election? And have you been watching the conventions? Yeah. Um, I am following it somewhat, not too closely, and I haven't watched any of the convention coverage, okay. but I'm assuming it's entertaining. I mean, I, <laughs> like, you're, you're, you live in Calgary, you're from Canada, like, you're good, like, you, you have a pretty well, I good mean, it's, you, it's actually, like, many, lots of people do follow, um, the U.S. election, like, it's always a topic of discussion. Like, I would say it's like every other day somebody's talking about Hillary or Trump. It's not like yeah. it. Because it will affect your it. country. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think lots of people even consider, like, U.S. politics more important than Canadian politics, which is kind of ridiculous. Like, we live here, so Canadian politics should be important. But it doesn't mean that the U.S. politics aren't. Yeah. But I almost sometimes people know more about what's going on in the U.S. than they do in Canada. Which is yeah. to me kind of fucked up. Well, but. we are the world police, so that's probably why they care <laughs> so much. But I mean, like, it's it's really interesting. Like, there's so many people here that are like staunch, like Trump Trump supporters, and then the rest of us are like, that is fucking crazy. Really? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's people, but there's then there's Hillary supporters as well. Like it's it's um it's a a mix, I guess. Yeah. What's like the hot political topic up there right now where you live? Anything you wish was being covered uh, more? Or maybe it's being covered too much? <laughs> well, I mean, it, related to U.S. politics or just politics in general? Just, yeah, politics in general, maybe in your area. I mean, even like, oh, well, because, um, like Calgary is in Alberta, so that's, we have a lot of oil here. Like, that's our main, like, driver for the economy. Mm. Um, so pipelines are a huge mm. topic okay. of discussion in general. And like, I would say, like Alberta is very, very conservative. So most people are like against Trudeau. Like they don't like him particularly. Oh, but um, he's so cute. 
<laughs> yes, that's that's a defining feature. Maybe not relevant to how well he runs the country. Okay, but, uh, who cares? Well, I'm shallow like that. You are amazing. Okay. You're a legend. We need more people like you. I mean, he is attractive for sure, but I I don't think that that's really the most important thing. But like, yeah, pipelines, I would say, and just in general, like policies in Canada are changing. They're not like as supportive of the oil industry. I would say I'm not, I don't stay up as up to date as I probably should, but Mm -hmm. that's created a lot of like concern here because so many jobs are related to that industry. And right now is a bad time for everyone in that industry. Like it's like where I live here, like Calgary is sort of like the main like hub for all Canadian based oil companies and even like American based companies that have assets in Canada. There are so many people that were laid off. Like our downtown is like dead Hmm. because so many people have lost their jobs and Hmm. it's really bad. Like I have friends that, worked in the industry and now they are unemployed and can't get another job which oh, no. isn't anything or yeah. it's super competitive so that's like a major topic because we're already in a downturn that's out of our control and and then like with things changing on a government like on a federal level and even yeah. a provincial level it, it makes it difficult right I will say, not to change the subject, but I'm looking, I've been browsing Calgary on Google Street View as you've been talking, and oh my gosh, it's beautiful. There's this oh, peace, yeah. the, this peace bridge, it's like a red tube. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I live not far from there. Oh, really? <laughs> like, well, that's because I'm stalking like you, that's eight, how I ended up that like close. Like a 10 a minute walk Oh, wow. From there? The, the town is Maybe. seriously beautiful. Like I love going into random oh, yeah. towns and looking at Google Street View, and very pretty. Um, like, fi- there's a river that runs all the way through. It's, yeah. it's really quite nice. Gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous. Um, final question for you. Are you mm-hmm. going to get The Cursed Child when it comes out this weekend? You know what? I'm, I act like I love Harry Potter, but no. Is it because mm-hmm. you've heard what mm-hmm. happens in it or but what? I just, well, yeah, I read reviews. I don't know if you guys, did you guys talk about it on MuggleCast? I might have listened. I don't know. Yeah. I read reviews and it just sounds like like, she Trash. couldn't have come up with something original? Garbage. I don't understand. Like, mm. it was like fan fiction off of MuggleNet. Like, yeah. I was reading the premise, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, that sounds like bad fan fiction. Yeah, and, yeah, right? and, and the MuggleNet fan fiction was always shit. Those moderators were awful. I fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah. if you think you're terrible, that... <laughs> you should have read some of the shit that we had to reject. I'm just messing with and you. And I, you could only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool all right well allison yeah no i'm not for me all right well i'm bumped <laughs> to hear that but the rest of the panelists aren't um but thank you for uh your support and have a nice yeah, night up there in canada yeah yeah thanks for calling no problem bye thanks for your support right, bye. yeah bye okay. bye yeah bye <laughs> So that wraps up today's episode of Millennial. Thank you, everybody, for listening. A reminder, we will be broadcasting live on Wednesday night. So some of you may miss it by the time we, by the time you listen to this episode. But Wednesday night, exclusively on Patreon, we will be streaming. We will be drinking. We will be having fun as Obama makes his speech at the DNC. And if you miss it live, no worries. You can watch it on Patreon later. Um, and the RNC drunken shit show is on the Patreon as well. And it's video. 
which adds a fun element to it as well. You can see Elisa coming out of Laura's vagina. It is remarkable work. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really a beautiful thing. Yes. I know. It's the miracle of life, guys. <laughs> it really is. Pro-life. Elisa, Pro-life. I hope you start thinking now about what crazy stuff you're going to do on this one. You, how about you I- masturbate to Obama live on there? <laughs> that won't be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> a swish and flick. I think like episode number one I had there was some kind of challenge where I was supposed to masturbate live on air she actually promised that you yeah, were going to do it I think yeah I think you're right I think I did promise that so maybe that has to happen I, it'll be easy with uh, with Obama on screen so let's do it okay great Rose. and speaking of our patron we really appreciate your support you can uh, join our surprise bitch raffle I guess you would call it and you could be like Allison and get genuinely surprised. You may think we're never going to call you like Allison did. But guess what? We might. <laughs> we may even do it twice. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? So, uh, and you get lots of other benefits, including After Dark. And on today's episode of After Dark, we're going to be talking a little more about the RNC. And we're also going to offer some updates. We're going to try to talk more about updates on past news. Because obviously we always talk about news on the show, but we don't always follow up on things that happen so we will be talking a little more about the turkey coop and uh what's uh, the coup and what's ha- been happening there <laughs> you know i caught it i caught it i caught it a coop last week and my boyfriend never laughed at me harder in his life i was so ashamed it's because turkey is going right before it so it just makes right. so much sense chicken coop chicken coop no i <laughs> i actually think i really thought it was coop but anyway, <laughs> so we'll be talking about the, we'll be talking about the chicken coop. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm a mess. <laughs> and a little bit more about Pokemon Go. Oh, Gotta catch them all. And playing no context, so this is gonna be this gonna be a this is like another after dark. Yeah, episode of Millennial, a dumpster fire of an after dark. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, enjoy the cursed child, or don't. And what should our <laughs> wrap-up music be today? Oh, we, really we are the champions by Queen. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, why? I don't. I don't because think they would care Trump, about us using their music. Right, Trump came out to it during the RNC, and now we get to go off on it. Yeah, well said. Just about it. Exactly. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm huge. Fuck you, Matt. So we'll see everybody next week for episode 228. Bye. Time after time. I am huge. I've done my sentence. Are you sure? But committed no crime. And bad mistakes. Yes. (laughs) I've made a few. I've had my share. Here we go. Is the champion, my friend. Okay, great. How many I'm, times did you come while that was on, Andrew? Uh, I'm, I, I love Queen, but I'm not as big a fan.